Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cash it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. The Suns do have a game tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Joining us on the Arizona Sports Line, as always, Kevin Ray of Valley Sports for Game Day with K Ray. K Ray, what is up? How we doing, gentlemen? Doing Hang good. There, Wolf is especially fired up today, so just be ready for that, okay? <laughs> All right, little uh, little salty version of Wolf. I love it. Just don't you know? It just jacked up right now. Honestly, I don't even know why. I, I think it's maybe because I was li- I was listening to Limp Biscuit before the broadcast. But uh, <laughs> look, let, let me Wait, let me clarify that for K Ray. K, when Wolf says he was listening to Limp Biscuit before the broadcast, he means the newsroom was also listening to Limp Biscuit <laughs> before the broadcast, which to me is the best thing in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned, and I've got many more questions about that. But anyway, proceed. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about these last three games right here. Just what do you expect to see? How important are these last three games? Well, you know, as far as what I and and we expect to see, it, it's a great question. Just considering some of the. Um, some of the results that have shaken out in the last, you know, 24, 36 hours. And by that meaning, you know, the Suns have got the four spot locked up. And then with, uh, you know, the Denver situation, they now presently have the top spot in the Western Conference locked up. And so now the question becomes, okay, do we, do we continue because we've had so little time? I mean, speaking specifically here of, of the Suns, you know, because we've had so little time, do we continue to run our entire crew out there, um, primarily with Kevin Durant and that starting five and allowing, you know, Monty Williams to, to work on rotations? Or do we sit said starters um, so as all these bench guys and and several of whom have not seen a whole lot of playing time in the last couple of weeks can you know can get some reps and get going uh, I, I don't know honestly if we'll have full clarity on that until you know maybe an hour before tip time uh, you know I know Monty had said and talking with reporters yesterday and today that you know that they will take a look um, at you know playing time for guys certain situations. I think we all know with Kevin Durant, everybody wants him wrapped in bubble wrap along with Devin Booker. But there's something to be said too, guys. As I think we saw from last year, you know this team's going to have uh, you know uh, almost a week off. Um, they will end on Sunday afternoon. The earliest, you know, that they would start the the playoffs would be, you know, that following Saturday. So you're looking at at minimum six, if not seven days of rest. So it's a, it's a great question. I think in terms of what you hope to see is just continued work, whether it's with everybody or just you know the the collection of bench guys who could be seeing you know significant minutes over the last few games. 
Okay, Ray, they're going to finish fourth, so we don't know their opponent yet, but we're going to know it by Sunday. And last year that wasn't the case, and I know everybody's still kind of feeling their way through the first couple years of the play-in, but do you, do you think that impacted them at all last year, and do you think it may benefit them at all this year because they will know who their opponent is? Like, their opponent will know them, obviously, too, but last year it was kind of an unknown. Devin Booker was talking about this the other day until about 48 hours before they actually played New Orleans. Yeah, and and that is, you know, that is the the one I suppose added benefit of being in the the spot that they are in is they will have uh, clarity, and and you know, and that clarity could come as early as you know Saturday, um, maybe even before they take the floor against the Clippers, who oh by the way could be your first round opponent. So, you know, I think going into that game as we kind of look ahead. Uh, you know, it'll be real interesting to see what kind of chess match plays out between both those coaching staffs. If it does indeed turn out that the Clippers are going to be your first round opponent. Um, but yes, in that regard, it will give them, you know, several days, uh, you know, a minimum of at least five days in order to prepare for the opponent compared to, to last year, which was, as you point out, you know, pretty, pretty quick turnaround. Kay, do you have a preference as to whom you'd like to see the Suns play and what matchup they would have in that first round, that first round of the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I, fans and, and people, you know, always want to talk about that. And, and I was asked after the game the other night, you know, who do you want? Who do you want? I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the, in the basketball gods. <laughs> so I'm not going to put any kind of uh, negative or positive energy out there that could be construed for, <laughs> oh, you know, K-Ray said that, uh, that they're going to be able to handle their business against opponent XYZ. I think each opponent, whether it's the Clippers, whether it is the Warriors, those are the two right now logical first-round matchups. Um, the, the Suns certainly have some advantages. But you've got to look at the opponent as well. I mean, the yeah. Clippers, everybody kind of left them for dead when Paul George went down, and all of a sudden they're playing some pretty good basketball. So each opponent's going to, you know, deliver their own unique set of challenges. It really just going to come down to the Suns' health and execution. Yep. That, that to me, doesn't matter who they play. If, if they are fully healthy and they execute the way they are capable of, the, the Suns can handle the, any first-round opponent. Right, so you heard her first. Uh, K-Ray says the, the Suns will handle opponent XYZ if that's who they play. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> Fill in the just blank. Go just go do it, right? Yeah. Uh, Kay, what, if anything, do you read into campaign not playing at all in that Spurs game? And, and what do you expect to maybe see from him going forward now? Well, you know, no, no direct comment, um, you know, was was made by Monty. I mean, look, we're we're all grown ups uh, here, right? So, I think you can take it for pretty much what we all believe it to be, because there was no, you know, there, there his name was not on the injury report. Um, I think it was a a quick little kind of. Uh, Correction moment, if you will, um, a, a statement, uh, a nonverbal statement from Monty Williams to campaign, which is we need you to be locked in. We need you to be playing high level basketball. And look, I, I think the numbers bear it out and not even so much guys, the 
the point productivity, but um, you know, the last couple of games, just some silly careless fouls, which, which forced Monty's hand quickly in, in the last two games that Cam was on the floor. Um, And he has been along with the coaching staff stressing, you know, we've got to stop fouling. We've got to stop putting opponents at the free throw line. And most everybody else has done a pretty good job now over the last week, week and a half. But um, so I, I think it was as as simple as that, which is if if you want and expect to be a part of the consistent playoff rotation, I need to see better from you. Yeah, yeah on that note, I only got 30 seconds, Kay, but I got to ask you this. How important do you think Ish Wainwright is going to be in a playoff series, a playoff rotation? Is he going to be there? Uh, I I think he will be Wolf, um, and again, you know, it's going to depend on on matchups. But Ish gives you, you know, a level of physicality, not right. necessarily, right. you know, a big, but he brings that big kind of body, and he's he's shown the ability to, you know, to knock down those those short corner threes, and um, in those situations, he's going to find himself wide open like Josh Akogi, and if he's knocking them down, I, I do believe that, that Ish will be a part of the playoff rotation. Okay, Ray, great stuff as always, man. Thank, Thank you, Thank you. All right, back to the biscuit, boys. <laughs> All right, take care. That's Kevin Ray. It's just one of those days. Of, of Bally Sports. Well, I don't think anybody's ever signed off on the show saying back to the biscuit, thinking of Limp Biscuit. Uh, all right, when we come back, how would you feel if the Cardinals did move down in this draft and took somebody other than Will Anderson? We'll give you a couple names next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, Wolf, it feels like most of our draft coverage, and I blame you for this, has focused on Will Anderson. As you have admitted, you're in the danger zone on Will Anderson. Big time. Don't get me started. So what if we look at maybe a couple of the other names that, that could be out there? Not at three. I think I think that's been pretty well established, not, not by us, but just by everybody, that if the Cardinals are sitting there at three, they're taking Will Anderson. If they trade down to four, they're taking Will Anderson. But what if they trade down to seven with the Raiders or 11 with the Titans? Or 22 with the Ravens, like you said before. Uh, a couple names have been popping up in that range. And I'm going to throw this one out there because, as you uh, you pointed out the other day, they're having a visit with Broderick Jones, correct? Yes. All right, so here's Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia. After redshirting his first season and playing in only four games as a freshman, Jones started all 15 games in the Bulldogs' 2022 National Championship season. Jones is ultra-athletic, has nimble feet and good size, and while he has a quickness that allows him to stay in front of pass rushers, he struggles with hand placement when blocking on run plays. NFL comp, Giants tackle Andrew Thomas. 
Right, so I'll tell you this right now, Wolf. If they trade down to like 11, which kind of seems to be the range that Broderick Jones is in, and yeah. they draft Broderick Jones, right. I'm not taking Jarrett Carlin to lunch. <laughs> that one's on you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have to wonder if Broderick Jones is going to go at 11 or whether or not he'll go a little bit later. It's interesting. He's all over the board, and that that is probably the way that it's going to be leading right up to the draft for the most part. But pro football focus, they've got Broderick Jones rated as the fifth best tackle in this draft. So is it possible that five tackles could go um, in the top 12, 13? Yeah, it's possible. It is. But um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Just, I mean, there's only you figure four quarterbacks are probably going in the top ten, right? Uh, I'm looking at at Will Brinson's latest mock draft on CBS, and he has the Cardinals trading down with Tennessee. Okay, so okay, first of all, at eleven, is, yeah, at a reference point, he does have Broderick Jones going tenth to the Eagles. He has him as the second offensive lineman off the board. Okay, in that in that draft. Uh, but at number 12, or rather at number 11, he has the Cardinals taking Miles Murphy out of Clemson. So that's another name we really haven't gotten to talk a lot about. Miles Murphy, Edge. Clemson. Murphy made an instant impact at Clemson as a five-star athlete coming out of high school. In his three college seasons, 2020 through 2022, Murphy was the only FBS player to rack up at least 10 tackles for loss and one forced fumble in each of those seasons. But as he goes to the next level, his game will need some work. He's seen as more of a disruptor than a finisher in the pass rush, and it takes him a while to reach top speed in pursuit. Scouts say the potential is there, but he will need a few years of work to boost his ceiling. NFL comp, former Bengals D-end Antoine Odom. Okay, there it is right there, Miles Murphy. Uh, How do you feel about that? Would you be okay with that? Well... No, I mean I want Will Anderson too. <laughs> See, this is this is the problem with it all this year because it's, this is unlike any year okay, that, that I can remember um, being so totally committed to one pick and the Cardinals coming down with one pick. Well, it, because it seems like, and this is not just on our show, this has been everywhere. And, and look, I mean, people watch college football the last two years. You know who Will Anderson was anytime you watched. Because he was not just considered a great defensive player. He was up there in the conversation like we had Matt Miller on yesterday talking about as a Heisman candidate. I mean, how often do you see players playing Will Anderson's position that are Heisman candidates? Yes. So he seems, and you know, things change after the draft, obviously, but going into the draft, it seems like he's his own tier. And so when you have a chance to get a player that is his own tier, and you don't even have to do it with the first or second pick... Yeah. Even if you want to trade down, you have to have that thought in the back of your mind like, okay, but we might be trading away from greatness here. That yeah. That's on the table. Yeah, it is on the table right there, and we've already talked about it, and we've done it many, many times. Um, I, I want this team to get more physical. I really do. Will Anderson, to me, he represents all of that physicality coming off the edge, a football player with a football player's mentality. But having said that, if that's not going to be the case, for whatever reason, the 
the Arizona Cardinals and Monty Osenfort, they do. They trade down to number 11. Will Anderson's not going to be there at number 11. That's not going to happen. They get a draft haul. I understand this. A bunch of young players, guys that are studs. You get some good picks, and you're hoping they're going to come in, and they're going to grow, and they're going to they're really going to help you accelerate that rebuild process that you got going on right now, especially on the line of scrimmage. If you tell me, if you told me that Broderick Jones was going to be the guy, I'd be okay with that. And it's because of the physicality that he represents. And I want that more than anything, the physicality, this rebuild to start on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, Matt Miller, when we had him on yesterday, ESPN draft analyst, talked a lot about Will Anderson, but he also did say this in terms of what the Cardinals are probably looking to do on draft night. I think the plan is to move down. And I I think we've even started to see inklings of that in the media. You know, uh, I think the Titans want to come up or the Raiders want to come up, right? There's so much talk about teams wanting to trade up. And I think a lot of that is geared toward the Cardinals trading out. You know, Indianapolis doesn't want to trade out. We know that. Uh, Seattle and Detroit are are in good spots where they want to wait and see what happens at picks five and six. So I, I think Arizona... Uh, they have the you know most valuable pick in the draft right now because Carolina is going to take a quarterback. Houston, uh, we think will take a quarterback, but Houston has surprised us before. Uh, we think they'll take a quarterback, and, and then then you have the Cardinals on the clock. So a, a team that is uh, they have their their quarterback, they've paid a lot of money to, they've invested in. So I, I think that's what makes it such a valuable pick is if you are the. Colts or the Raiders or the Titans or whomever else, that, and you think you need to get a quarterback in this draft, that, that's where you got to get to. You know, there's a school of thought, and, and I I kind of think <laughs> Monty Austin Ford too. Yeah, I, I kind of think Monty Austin Ford is probably in this school of if you have the most valuable pick in the draft and you're not one player away from contending for a Super Bowl, don't you need to maximize the value? Yes. And, and, and I get it. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, I'm sure. I did hear the worst-case scenario, though. I forget who brought this up. It was somebody at the station. Um, it was either yesterday or today. The worst-case scenario is you trade out a three, right? So yeah. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud go one, two, or whatever. You trade with, let's say, Tennessee, and they move up and get Anthony Richardson. And then the Colts are like, okay, we like Will Levis all along. And then Will Anderson goes to Seattle. Okay. That's the worst case. Now all of a sudden you had to bring that up. That just brought me down. It Oh my goodness. How awful would that be? That was that was brutal right there, the thought of that going down. But again, um the offensive line, how would you generally feel, Basinonians, if in fact Monty Ossenfort and the Cardinals traded out of number three? got a bivy of draft picks, and then drafted an offensive lineman. How would you feel about that, generally speaking, overall? Forget about whether it's a tackle or a guard. And I know a lot of coaches out there that say draft tackles, we'll move them to guard, we'll let them play guard, and then that means, of course, they can grow there and they're protected a little bit. And as they grow, maybe then you can move them out to tackle a little bit later in their career. There's a philosophy in the NFL that exists on that. But for me, how would you generally feel about an offensive lineman taken in the first round? for this team. I, I if you're not going to get Will Anderson, I'd feel great on that. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it's if it, you're it's not going to get Will Anderson. It's tough because you don't know 
what you're getting in draft compensation. And then you also don't know what you're going to get with those picks. So that's that's why this scenario hasn't been talked about as much as the just, hey, we're going to take Will Anderson, we're going to trade down one spot and take Will Anderson, because there's a lot more concrete uh, you know, conversation there. But realistically, this is a, an option the Cardinals are, are really looking at. Yeah. You might get a desperate Tennessee team. Yes. You might get a desperate Baltimore team. You might get a really desperate Baltimore team. Because if they can't work it out with Lamar Jackson and he actually is on another team when the draft starts up in three weeks, which I, I kind of don't see it happening that quickly, but it could. Then Baltimore is going to be like, we're not going into rebuild mode. Like We're, we're going to move up and get a quarterback. And you might be able to get multiple firsts from them. Plus, so, I mean, at a certain point, I'm sure Monty Austin Ford's going to look and say, can one edge rusher really do as much for our team as five picks and three of them are first rounders or something? I mean, if it gets that extreme, I think they're going to trade him. And I'm sure that's probably what they're looking for is, is, is something that extreme to trade the pick. The real question is, how, how much hardball do you play with the Colts? If some other team is offering you the world, but it's taking you down to pick 11, and the Colts are offering you a little bit, but if you take the Colts offer, obviously you still get Will Anderson. So that's the balancing act that Monty Austin Ford has to uh, navigate here. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Is there an advantage to having the four seed rather than like the one or two seed in the Western Conference? You'll hear what Monty Williams had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I got a lot going on today. Luis Gonzalez is going to join us in a little bit. Talk about the D-backs home opener. Going to have at least a player or two join us as well in the second half of the show. Also have audio, Wolf, of uh, Steve Keim talking about Kyler Murray. Wow. So we're going to play that okay. in a few minutes, too. We're going to stick with uh, Suns right now, though, because this was an interesting comment from Monty Williams. And we kind of talked about this with K. Ray uh, when he joined us 20 minutes ago or whatever. But this is Monty Williams from practice yesterday talking about a potential advantage of actually being the four seed instead of the one or two seed now. Most teams, I would imagine, in that situation, they have designated coaches who are looking at everybody. But from a mental standpoint, you're thinking about all those teams as opposed to, you know, come Sunday evening, we'll know exactly who we're going to play and we can just dive into that preparation and, and, and soak in the players. So I think that's a good thing. Um, so I'm, that's the one drawback of the playing tournament that can not necessarily hurt teams, but it is a bit of a disadvantage as far as preparation is concerned. There it is right there, right? And again, do you really want to think too much about this rather than just get yourself right? I think more than anything else, I want to see the Suns get themselves right mentally. Individually, of course, first and then collectively. I, I don't hate the idea, though, of what he's talking about for a couple of reasons. One, the Western Conference is so... Look, all due respect to Denver, but <laughs> the Western Conference is pretty wide open this year in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, once once we know who the eight teams are, like, let's, I don't know, let's say it, it ends up going the way it is right now, and you end up with, like, the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and Pelicans as the bottom four teams, right? So if you have those four teams plus the Suns, Grizzlies, Nuggets, and Kings, is any of those teams making a run or knocking somebody off really going to shock you? 
Probably not. No. So at least in this particular year, I don't hate the idea of the Suns knowing who their opponent is for a week for not only their benefit, but also the flip side is, okay, well, that team can figure out the Suns. I don't know if you can figure out the Suns because they haven't played together enough yeah. yet. No, I think you're right about that, but I do love the way you're thinking in regard to saying, you know, uh, it'd be better for the Suns to actually know who their matchup is. The longer you know who your matchup is, I think the better it is for any team. I, I don't care what sport you're talking about. I think it gives you the opportunity to to analyze your opponent, analyze and prepare what it is you're going to have to do in order to get ready to go out individually first. You, it's it's amazing in the postseason matchups how much you hear about matchups yeah. in the postseason individual matchups in the postseason and how important they are. There's no denying that, but it's also the collective that is so important as well. The matchups collectively, it all starts with a one-on-one base and audience. It all starts with that, but then it moves to the team concept, of course, and that to me is what's so fascinating about this. I would rather have the longest amount of time I could to prepare for my opponent so that my my players individually can get on top of it and then collectively we can get on top of it as a team and prepare. To me, I think the more time you have, the better. I don't buy into the, oh, you can overanalyze. You know, no, you can't. Just go out and do your job. Yeah, I mean, period. how much? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could you could overanalyze a lot of things in life, but I don't know that Monty Williams and his coaching staff having more time to prepare for the Clippers as opposed to finding out it's the Pelicans last year and then two days later you're playing them. I, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. I, I think of Bill Belichick as well. Bill Belichick is one of these guys that coming off the bye has yeah. got a great record. Andy right? Reid was that guy for a while, too. Exactly yeah. right. The longer they had to prepare for you, the better. I don't think there's a negative to it. And if they're, you know, if it was like, well, you know, the Suns are going to play uh, the Warriors in the first round, but, you know, Denver, by being the number one seed, is going to get Utah. Well, okay. I mean, if if the opponent is that much different, if there's that much of a drop off in who your opponent is, uh, being the one seed or the four seed, then and typically it is. Then I would say there's not as much to what Monty Williams is saying right here. But this particular year, it's entirely possible Denver's playing the Lakers in the first round. And... I'm not at the ESPN level where like the Lakers are the favorite to win the West, but that's not a team that I'd want to play in the first <laughs> round if I was Denver. If if you right, hey, we made it all the way through the season, we had the best record in the West. Who do we get? And we get the team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are somehow healthy, <laughs> right? And they play defense now as a team. Yes. Too. So I just I I think this year in particular, where there's not that much of a of a drop off between the uh, the fifth seed and the eighth seed, because to this exact moment on April sixth. The team that is the fifth seed might be the eighth seed in two days. That's yeah. how wide open it is. I think that what he's saying actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, and, and once again, I, I cannot overstate this. I, I don't think you can, my brothers. Uh, it's a situation where you don't want your guys to be hoping for a certain matchup. If I were Monty Williams, I'd be trying to control that. If I were Devin Booker and Chris Paul, I'd be trying to monitor that inside the locker room as well. Hey, guys, get your minds right. Get your minds right for whatever matchup it may be. Don't be looking at it thinking, I'd rather have this team and that team. I'd like to play this team. I honestly think it's about the Phoenix Suns at this point. They've got that kind of team where it's about them. 
just get there. Get get your mind right for whomever you're going to play. Get your mind right, and that'll take care of itself. Yeah, and, and I, I think that that's probably where they are because I don't know that there's one team that you look at and say, "Oh, I hope we play this team." I mean. You, you can't play Oklahoma City. I don't know. There's, there, I'm just looking at the teams behind them that are in the in the five or six spot or the play-in right now. There's not any team you would look at and say, "Oh, the Clippers, that one will be easy." Oh, New Orleans, that one will be easy. Like I, I get, I get looking at Golden State and saying, "All right, maybe we don't want them in a perfect world," but for the most part, I think it's. It, Devin Booker said something about this the other day too, where he said last year they all just got together and watched the play-in games. To kind of get a sense of like, okay, we're, we're playing one of these teams, but we don't know who. Whereas now they can just kind of focus on whoever it is. Because we're going to know. K-Ray just uh, told us last yeah. uh, earlier this hour that you might know as soon as Saturday, uh, but you're, we're definitely going to know by Sunday. So we'll all have a chance to kind of be like, all right, we'll, <laughs> it's all zero in on the Clippers just or the Warriors right or whatever. And then the minds will race. Can you imagine if it's the Warriors? <laughs> Warriors! You know what movie that's from? To play. All that it's, hurt me. <laughs> now you have to oh. do the Pantera call out right after that. <laughs> all that hurt. Do the Pantera call out in that voice. No. Uh, all right. When we come back. Does the quarterback position hold the key to this upcoming draft? Yeah, probably. And we're going to play those uh, Steve Kime cuts on Kyler Murray as well. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, did you see Cam Newton's comments? But uh, he basically said there aren't 32 quarterbacks better than me. Yeah. But I'm willing to be a backup no. to these four names. I think he gave more than four, but the names he gave were Josh Allen. Okay, so he want to play for Buffalo. Uh, Lamar. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you want to play for the team that just went to the Super Bowl. Or Aaron Rodgers, and I don't even know what team that's going to be. Wow. Those, those were the names he gave. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to me because, again... Cam Newton, you just can't bring Cam Newton into a locker room. You just can't. You just can't bring him into an organization. You just can't do it and expect he's going to be the backup. Because even now, at this point in his career, there's a lot of dudes in that locker room who just look at him and go, "Man, you're so talented." What he's saying? You're it. So, I know. I know that <laughs> he he is. He Cam knows how good. He is. He knows Tell he's been blessed. How these randoms keep getting jobs? <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I mean, he commands a lot of cred inside that locker room. He does. And that's going to be your backup with that kind of swag? You would need a Josh Allen type. Yeah. You would need Aaron Rodgers. You, you can't have... Jimmy G is your starting quarterback, you know, you, and Cam Newton as the backup. That's you, or not bring work. some young guy that's up and coming yeah. and making his way. Don't don't do it. That would actually that's a good point. That'd be even <laughs> don't worse. Do it. So Carolina, because you always bring back Cam Newton. Don't bring back Cam Newton after you draft C.J. Stroud. That's not do not do not it. A great idea. Uh, all right, I want to play these these cuts real quick before we get into the quarterback uh, impact on this draft. This is uh, Steve Keim on the Green Light Pod. Okay. So this is from, I believe it's from today. It's from yesterday or today. Talking about Kyler Murray, all right? Okay. Now, you would figure the guy that drafted Kyler Murray probably knows Kyler Murray pretty well, okay? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, you draft a guy, number one, so you put all your eggs in that basket. And in the first year, he is a uh, 
offensive rookie of the year. Then the second year, he's a pro bowler. And the third year, he's a pro bowler. So you got to think that he's heading in the right direction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just thought he kept getting better and better and better. Um, you know, there's just some times of inconsistency with him. And obviously the height hurts him at times, seeing over the line and processing and seeing the field. But at the same time, I mean, he's just a tremendous talent. I mean, he really is. The stuff he does, he see in practice and in some games, I mean, he's just off the charts. I think it's just putting it together and playing consistent football for four quarters. Yeah, there it is. You know, once again, I think everything Steve said is pretty much right on right there. I love you, brother. I hope you're doing well. Um, but in regard to Kyler Murray, it's one of the reasons why he's got to go under center. He does. You, you've got to get him out on the edge. You've got to give him in a deep drop back setting, a seven step drop with max protection. Eight guys that are in protecting Kyler Murray. Throw the ball down the field once again. You, you, you got to give him these kind of opportunities because I think it's going to be critical for his career going forward. If Kyler Murray, this is just me where I am right now, based on Ian's, but if Kyler Murray never learns to play the game of football from under center, I I don't know where his career is going to go. Well, it sort of feels like he has plateaued, so... <laughs> Kind of feels like this is where his career is going to go, like where it is right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. He's a good quarterback. But I don't, are you really going to win anything if Davey doesn't take another step? I, I don't know how else he could take another step. But it's it's interesting. It's interesting now hearing Steve Kime talk about Kyler Murray. It's almost like it's almost like when the Suns moved on to James Jones and Ryan McDonough would talk about DeAndre Ayton. Because yeah. at that point, you're not. There's no constraints of, yeah, I'm still the GM of the team. Everything I say is going to be 100% positive, right? Now he can talk freely about the guy he drafted, number one overall, and he had uh, one other comment on uh, on Kyler as well. You know, I think he needs, he still needs to grow, and, yeah. and it's not a, again, it's not slanted towards his, his character. He, he He's not a bad guy. He's yeah. a really good kid, has a good smile, and has a nice way about him. Um, I think it's like anything. Guys have to continue to learn what it's going to take to be great. You know, does, does he know what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady know, knows what it takes to be great? No. Um, does he work? He does work. Um, I think it's just that side of the, uh, the game, the, the, the film study, the attention to detail part that he can continue to improve upon, and I think he will. Because um, Kyler's a proud guy, man. He doesn't want to lose, and he doesn't want to um, let people down. So, you know, I think his best ball is ahead of him. I think they need to be creative and do the right things with him offensively. But, you know, I think the, the best ball is ahead of him, and I think he'll get it right. But, like I said, it's just, to me, in that area, of watching film, studying the game, attention to detail. Uh, I think that's the area where he can vastly improve. Basically a nicer version than what Calvin Beecham just said. And when I said that, Beach meant no animus yeah. whatsoever towards Kyler Murray. But he did say, you know, he's got to be, be a man, grow up. You know, I mean, that to me, again, he didn't mean it with any animus. He meant it as a matter of statement, a matter of fact. This is what he's got to do. He's got to mature. But um, those words, as we all know, they left a mark. Isn't yeah. that right, Hollywood? Yeah, well, they definitely bothered Hollywood, but you're right. I mean, this what, what Steve Kime just said right there is almost identical to what Kelvin Beecham yeah. said. Just use different words. Different words, and also Kelvin Beecham is a teammate, so maybe that hits home a little bit differently as well. But that's that's two guys now saying that. that and Kelvin Beecham has 
has made similar comments. He made them last yes. year. It, yeah. it, he, the guy has been asked the same question so many times that I wonder if some of it was just him trying to choose different wording for the same answer. But either way, that is a guy who's been blocking for Kyler Murray and the guy who drafted for Kyler Murray or drafted Kyler Murray saying a very similar thing. And I thought Kyle right there, maybe he took it the extra step that, that Calvin Beecham didn't, although I kind of feel like he did. Of he's got stuff to work on, but it's not a character thing. Yeah, it, that to me is not a shot. I would say most quarterbacks that aren't Patrick Mahomes have stuff to work on. See, can I just say this quickly, my young crunk brothers? If you're listening right now, this is critical. Hear what I'm saying. Humility. This is why I talk so much about humility and how important humility is to a professional athlete. How important humility is to a person. Forget about professional athlete to anybody. But in this regard, we're talking about Kyler Murray right now. The reason why humility is so important is it allows you to see yourself for who and what you are and where you need to get better. And you don't take it as a slam against yourself that somebody else would have the unmitigated temerity to walk up to you and say, you need to get better at this. Humility allows you to accept that critique. It allows you to see it for yourself and say, I've got to get better. This is why humility is so important to being a successful human being, let alone a successful franchise quarterback. Uh, Switching gears, but staying with quarterbacks in the NFL and the draft. This is Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM when he was asked if he would consider drafting a quarterback in the first round. It depends on the board. It really does. I mean, I'd have to say yes because we have uh, quarterbacks in our top 31. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes. Well, yeah. Yes, about that. <laughs> wait, wait, I would what? have to say. In other words, did you hear what he just said? Yes. What's your biggest takeaway? <laughs> well, first of all, if you have quarterbacks in your top 31, <laughs> then you absolutely would, in theory, take a quarterback in the first round. Yes. Because the did first round is 31 picks. also hear the Ravens PR person trying to stop questions to the GM about Lamar Jackson? No, I didn't no. hear that. Here's this. You know, respect to the, the speak about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are you, guys, are you all good. looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. This is about the draft. Just move off the the. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situations going on? You know, I don't think we really are. <laughs> so that's going well. That was. <laughs> There's going to be a brawl outside that. <laughs> Ask questions about the draft. Well, he just said he might take a quarterback, and you have really? one. Don't mention the one that's here. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, man, that was that was good right there. I, I love the first cut, though. Can we have the first cut again from... DaCosta? DaCosta. Yeah, Listen go. to this, Space and Onions. It depends on the board. It really does. I mean, I'd have to say yes, because we have uh, quarterbacks in our top 31. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes. I think simple math. <laughs> I can't argue with math, Wolf. There it is right there. You know what? If he's on the board, he's 31. Or 10. Yes, I'd have to say yes. I'm capable and we're capable as an organization of doing anything that's going to hose you. <laughs> do you understand? Hey, we'll math. do it all. We'll do whatever, whatever the nightmare scenario is for you. Oh, we'll do it. 
Will we draft a quarterback and replace Lamar Jackson? Well, simple math says yes, but don't ask me about Lamar. That's basically how that press conference that, went. That is so good right there. That is that is called speaking medium. Kind of. That's like all I mean it averaged out to medium, but it felt like it was all over the place. Hey, uh I, he gave you a definitive he, answer. He, he, he did. On nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. Well, I guess looking at the board he that's gave right here you in front a of yes me. Yes or no. Yeah. Answer on nothing. Okay. Uh coming up next, Gonzo's going to join the show. <laughs> Luis Gonzalez will uh, join us next. Next to talk a little D-backs baseball ahead of their home opener tonight against the Dodgers. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.